As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Thursday early evening. I'm uh, just about to leave... Ashburn uh, just recorded a fun chat with our guy Matt Paris from the Washington Times, sort of breaking down where things stand right now with this interesting 2-0 team. What did we, what were our takeaways off of the comeback against Denver? What's the key uh, from Washington's perspective going here against Buffalo? Uh, What do we think about Sam Howell's growth? the defensive line standard. Uh, we, we, we got back into our game of picking lines of, of random things, including Eric Bieniemy versus Jack Del Rio. Yep, we did that one as well. So we'll get to that in a moment, but a fun conversation with Matt. In addition, I wanted to play a little bit of sound from Ron Rivera, his Wednesday press conference to get a little bit of a flavor of kind of where things stand right now with this team compared to the last, well, basically since he's been here, um, and just how sort of different the vibe feels right now. We'll get to all that in a moment here on the Standing Room Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you do your podcasting. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button if you're an iTunes person and have a second to Drop a rating and a review. It definitely helps a lot. Let people know that others are interested in this podcast. Uh, If you missed it, I did a solo wrap-up on uh, Sunday night. Uh, You can check that out as well. Uh, Speaking of things to check out, for those of you who subscribe to The Athletic, uh, one of my, probably one of the more fun stories I've written in some time I profiled center Nick Gates, who is a fascinating guy. He's obviously very feisty on the field. He's picked up two fines in his first five games, including the preseason action. And that intense aspect is not solely the the picture of, of this guy. He's a definite free spirit. Uh, he's also an inspiring story in the sense that he came back from a really serious leg injury uh, that that was suffered ironically in Washington in week two 
um, while battling John Allen and Deron Payne. And he is a guy that players rave about as, a, as an individual and as somebody you want in the foxhole. And it was a really great response today to everybody out there, uh, particularly on Twitter. So I appreciate that. So I would say go check that out. I also wrote about Washington's running back screen game this week. And, you know, we talked about this way back in OTAs or minicamp that based on what they were running, you could tell that the screen game, getting the backs in space would be a part of this offense in ways it just simply wasn't previously. And this is the definition of small sample size, but through two weeks, Washington is best in the league with the running back screens in terms of production. And, uh, I went back and looked at the three primary uh, screens, two to Brian Robinson, one to Antonio Gibson, and I think that's going to be a weapon for them going forward. So you can check that out on The Athletic as well. Um, Matt and I discussed the injury situations, and it's a pretty light list, so we, you'll, we'll get to that in a few moments. Um, we also talked about sort of this being a measuring stick game, and I really do think that to me is what is so interesting. You know, right now, I'm not, look, what they're doing is fine. It's, very, you know, very good. But, you know, we know how the NFL is. There's like three or four teams who are really, really good, three or four teams that are really, really bad, and then everybody else is kind of somewhere in the middle. And until proven otherwise, Washington is still one of those teams that's somewhere in the middle. But when you now have Buffalo and Philadelphia to face, in these next two games, two teams that have that are Super Bowl contenders. It it is just fascinating how things can change very quickly. I I was uh going through a uh a bit of a self-help phase, I don't know, a year or so ago. And one of the anecdotes that somebody mentioned was, you know, there are if you want to have a more positive outlook, your better self, your more positive self it exists already. You just have to sort of work to find it, if, you, if that's a struggle with you. It can be for me at times. I'm sure it is for others. But the analogy that was used was it's like a, it's when Benjamin Franklin discovered electricity. Electricity already existed. We just hadn't discovered it. He didn't make electricity. He just figured out how to harness it. And that's kind of where I'm saying is here is like they already may be more of a contender than we realize. The defensive line, obviously playing at a high level. The secondary is at a minimum frisky. Uh, the offense, we know, you know, Terry McLaurin has a touchdown catch last week on a ridiculously good throw from Sam Howe. Brian Robinson, I don't know necessarily if it was his best game in Washington, but it certainly felt like, I believe it was his first two touchdown game at a minimum. We, got, we saw Antonio Gibson more in space, which is what something – Everybody's wanted to see more, including Antonio Gibson. Uh, there's 10 sacks that have been allowed. It's not all on the offensive line. But there's, you know, still a ways to go, I think, before I feel like, hey, this group is really, really solid. But you're seeing the progress, particularly with, you know, Sam Cosby, Sadiq Charles. When you go look at those screens, those guys were able to get out in front in ways that there was no chance. Andrew Norwell or Trey Turner, older guys could have last year. So that to me is a part of what is so fascinating right now is we don't know how good they actually can be 
And we won't be definitive on that for some time. But facing Buffalo this week, facing Philadelphia, I really think can go a long way towards giving us a better feel for where this team is at. And that, at a minimum, is pretty exciting to me, at least. Um, all right, let's get to it. We'll, we'll go first with my conversation with Matt Paris, and then I will play some Ron Rivera audio as well. Uh, we'll do that right now here on the Standard Groom Only Podcast. All right, joining me here on the podcast, he is our returning champion, Matt Paris from the Washington Times. We tried to do a podcast uh, when we were both out in Denver. I had technical issues, so we had to delay it a few days. And here we are now. It's Thursday uh, late afternoon. Everybody else has left the media room. We are the hardest workers on the beat, obviously. They're not listening. They're fine. Um, But we're here to talk about kind of where we're at right right now with this 2-0 team, this juggernaut going against Buffalo this week at FedEx Field, sold-out place. Uh, first off, Matt, um, two weeks plus weeks into the season, how how are we how are we feeling? Like personally, professionally, how how are we doing? Yeah, it is a very exciting, interesting time. I, I actually think from a football perspective, forget all the Josh Harris stuff, the ownership, the return of the fans. This team's really interesting from a football perspective. All of a sudden, and. You know, there's been moments of that here and there over the years, but never right from the beginning of the season, I think. I mean, there's always kind of that new car smell at the beginning of the year, but there's actual stuff to pick apart here, and it's been really uh, interesting to see and watch. Yeah, for sure. I I was on earlier today with Grant and Danny, and they were asking me sort of like, is it too early to get excited? And, you know, beyond the obvious caveats, it's two weeks. I was like, I think the difference is that there's two things on a basic level. One, the defensive line, we know they have the talent. We've been talking about this forever. And even last year when they were a top 10 defense, statistically, it didn't always feel like they were in control of games. And they have they have turned both these games around, essentially. I mean, the offense last week scored on five or six possessions at one point, but it was the defense starting with the Jamin Davis fumble, but then specifically Montez Sweat. Deron Payne had that one dominant series, three plays in a row, basically blows Denver out. Chase Young is back. They are imposing, and we don't, you know, it's curious to see now where this can go. And then on the other side, Sam Howell, we have no idea where his ceiling is. I mean, it's, he he's passed all the hurdles so far. He's not vomiting up all over himself when he's out there and he's in these games. He, you know, some of his throws are pretty pitch perfect. We know he needs to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker, things like that, but that's why I think this is so interesting from the football perspective. The last couple of years, no disrespect to Taylor Heineke or some of the other people, but you know we could see the low ceiling. Here, I don't know where it is, and I think that's what makes this so interesting. Well, I think a third factor to mention in besides this defensive line and the quarterback, which I completely agree with, is the, the arrival of Eric Bieniemy and just the impact that he's had to prop up Sam Howell. You and I both wrote about the screen game this week, uh, just how complex and interesting – that aspect has been to the offense, but you know, Bienemy was saying this today. It's not just the screen game that is working right now with Washington's offense. It, it's pretty much everything. You know, there are you can see Sam Howell still having to grow through some areas, particularly getting rid of the ball faster. But that's relatively small compared to some of the other issues these quarterbacks have faced here over the years. So it, it's very interesting. It, it's makes this game coming Sunday against the Bills really fascinating given how stout that defense can be. And, 
yeah, I mean, it's been it's been very interesting. I mean, just as an example, I don't know how many podcasts you and I have done together. Easily, that was the most positive three minutes we've ever done. I mean, sure. without, without, without question. Um, so, yeah. So, obviously, they get the Denver game done. I'll, I'll, I'll be slight devil's advocate just for the heck of it. So, it is two weeks in a row. They've had these slow starts. They're down trailing into the fourth quarter against Arizona. They're down 21-3 to against Denver. They were obviously able to come back on both. But Arizona is arguably the worst team in the league. And, you know, Denver is one of a myriad number of teams who are somewhere in the middle, but they're off to an 0-2 start both games at home. Uh, is any part of you like, you know what, maybe we're all, everybody's excited still because of the ownership stuff. And we just mentioned the potential here that it's like, all right, maybe slow their, every slow their roll down. This is still a, you know, a way to go. We know the next two opponents are a lot tougher. Is there any part of that that's that's in your head yeah. still, or are you like, yeah, screw you, Ben, have some fun? No, well, you can always stand to have some fun. I, I don't <laughs> think that would hurt. But uh, I think there there's one aspect of this that I guess keeps those thoughts away or from being the prevailing thought, because I think that is a good point, but. I think if you look at these games and see the level of dominance that particularly the defensive line is having, that's kind of been the saving grace is, all right, if this is going to be a playoff-level football team or they're going to be good for the rest of the year, they're going to at least need something to hang their hat on to be that driving force. And so far through two weeks, and I think even looking back to last season, like you said before, that this defensive line is one of the best in football it might be the best outside philadelphia somewhere in there and it's just that group has won them two straight games i i don't think there's any question yeah no for sure and we'll say look chase young obviously only just got back um that he had one and a half sacks he pointed this out in the press box he had one and a half sacks since the end of the 2020 season going into sunday and he matched that total then um which is just sort of wild that We've talked about it all this time, but that it, it wasn't just the injury. He was not very productive in the nine games prior to that. Last year, the last three games, you know, just yeah, getting his it, it, yeah. He was, a, but that said, you know, he looked athletically spry, strong, all that stuff. And you know, you tack him on to what they already have, and it's, okay. that's why this is going to get. It could potentially get pretty exciting. We talked to Chase today after practice. Um, you know, he said he felt pretty good in the game, felt fine after the game. I, I will say Chase is not maybe always the most reliable narrator, but there's I don't have any sense that that there's anything going on there. Uh, what do you think of whatever he said today or and, or, you know, what he said to say post game and his game in general? Yeah, I, I think Chase Young, it comes it strikes me as a guy who realizes he's missed so much time. He's he's not trying to be the loud, confident player that he has appeared to in the press at times. I wish kind of from a selfish point he would be because he's a lot more fun <laughs> that way when he he's, gives you a little bit more to work with. But I think that approach of trying to be humble is understandable. He doesn't – he kind of just wants to let his play prove it after missing so much time, and, and that's certainly his right. You know, I, I think he's trying to be grounded. He has – it's it's a weird dynamic, right? Because it's not he hasn't really acknowledged how much he has to prove this year, being in a contract year. He he really hasn't like acknowledged that personally. 
but we can all see it happening. He does have a lot to prove, and just by him being like that, I think says to me that he realizes that. You know, it's one thing to be humbled or recognize that things are not as you might hope, but it's another thing to have those have that feeling sink in. And I think part of the issue, maybe issues too strong, but part of the deal with Case the last few years has been acting like Superman, and you, despite the fact that he was vulnerable to more than kryptonite and he didn't always wasn't always putting forth the other but i'm with you there does feel seem to be a bit a bit more humility right now and a guy's like look i got i got things to do and we heard it going back to ota's montez wet saying he's seeing chase be more uh, invested i guess in like his preparation for the season rivera has said that you know obviously chase missed roughly a month uh during training camp in the first game of the year but he was just saying, hey, look, he's doing everything he can. And and I think you're hearing more of that. I think that is a good sign for him at a minimum in terms of um, understanding he can't just rely on his athletic traits. He is not Superman. He needs to keep building. And, and, and hopefully this is a sign um, of things uh, of things to come. Um, what else happened today? Uh, injuries. Logan Thomas not out there. I'm going to guess he won't be out there. Um Sunday against Buffalo with a concussion. Um, Duran Payne did return to practice today. I didn't actually look at the injury yeah, report. The limiter, <laughs> That's funny. We've both been, uh, Matt's been uh, working hard on a story that you can read tomorrow <coughs> in the post about the defensive line, and I was doing things. Um, but yeah, anyway, Duran Payne was out there today. Quan Martin was also back out there today without, uh, in full uniform. So it looks like he's, I'm presuming, out of the, concussion protocol program and you know knock on wood they're pretty healthy otherwise uh, you know we're seeing injuries happen all all over the place the giants just lose saquon barkley drawn pain all right well either way i don't think this is a I, I feel like he's just you know he did sprain his ankle or you know whatever so a little bit of a rest vet situation but i think he'll be fine um out there but the giants lost saquon barkley for at least a week or two the, the Cowboys today, uh, it was revealed they lost cornerback Trayvon Diggs for the season with an ACL. So, you know, again, knock on wood, the commanders are in a relatively good shape, certainly compared to the last couple of years for them. You know, last year, you know, no Chase Young at this point. Logan Thomas was definitely still a work in progress. Chase Ruier was already, he got hurt last year in week two and was out for the year, leading to yet another center um, scenario. So I think that is all good. Um, that said, it is about to get a lot harder based on the schedule. The Bills, the Eagles. Uh, what's uh, – I'm looking at I'll just ask this because I asked you guys earlier. Are they going to win on Sunday? I don't know. I Wow, I sounded like Scott Turner. There. I don't know. No, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm generally torn because I went into – actually the last time these two teams played, I actually thought Washington – had kind of a good chance, and then Buffalo blew them out of the water. And this year, I'm still kind of leaning the same way, only once, uh, I guess. But you know, Buffalo's had sort of a slow. Or they had a slow start in Week One against the Jets. Last week, they were much more impressive against the Raiders. But you know, I I think if we're going to talk about how good this defense is, I think they definitely lean more on the jet scale than they do the Raiders so they should be in it that way but also Allen historically has been the type of quarterback to give them a lot of problems even when this defense does perform well you know the athletic type of 
quarterbacks who can extend the play. I mean, they give those guys every defense fits, but it seems like Washington especially has trouble stopping those guys. So um, I would still lean Buffalo, but I think it'll be more, much more competitive at least uh, than the 2021 matchup. You know, for what it's worth, I had to make some picks for the athletic and I, I did pick Buffalo. I mean, I had to pick them straight up. They're getting their you know, bills are giving seven. So, you know, from that perspective, it's kind of a no brainer. Um, but I do feel like, you know, these next two games will tell us how high up uh, the food chain, the commanders are uh, David Aldridge. Uh, my colleague at the athletic yesterday asked Ron about this opportunity. He pointed out correctly that look in the past, they've had some good wins. They beat Tampa Bay with Tom Brady in uh, 2021. They beat the Eagles last year up in Philadelphia, but Pittsburgh it did first year. Pittsburgh when they were 11 and 0, right? But at least the last two years, it just didn't feel like there was, they were, it was really, it was, it felt like a one-off. It didn't feel like they were going to be building towards something. And that's what makes this so interesting because by all accounts, they should not be, you know, Buffalo should win this game. But, you know, they were seven point favorite on the road is a, is a notable number. And yet, you know, maybe we'll find out definitively, or you know, maybe definitively is too strong, but uh, we'll find out just how good this defensive line can be. And of course, Sam Howell, you know, he is, like I said, he's made, he's passed all the tests so far. But this is a different level of opponent. He's going to have to keep up offensively. You would think with Josh Allen, and you know, uh, Buffalo with their you know defense led by the, you know their head coach Sean McDermott, um, you know, should be a formidable challenge. So um, that's fun. And look, I think from our perspective. I mean, it really it is legit fun to cover a team that is um, winning uh, and and doesn't have this the constant cloud over our head. I mean, I think we can be uh, honest here. When on yesterday, Wednesday, when the news came out that the Chicago Bears, I still think we still don't quite know what happened, but the defensive coordinator resigned, and there was this talk of like the raids. I guess that didn't happen, but like I, it's kind of unclear. But the point is, something was happening, and it wasn't happening here. And you could tell, like, certain people around here, the coach players were like, well, wait, what's going on over there? And it's, like, weird that it's not happening here. And yeah. I think it's all – that's why there's so much po- positive vibes right now. No, there was a player today who came up to us, um, like, right before practice started and asked, like, did you guys hear about, like, what, what's going on over there? And so it is just jarring um, to, you know, see that, to, like – you know, you hear about – other NFL dysfunction, and sometimes we take a jaded, cynical view like, that's nothing compared to us. Look at what we've had to go do. Oh, we're tough and mighty Washington writers. But, I mean, seeing that over there yesterday, I was like, wow, that is that is pure Washington-level dysfunction. And even though they denied the raid at Hallis Hall, anytime you hear raid, I mean, come on, that, that's our specialty over here. So, uh, uh, Week five <laughs> when the Bears are here for Thursday, that'll be the raid bowl. <laughs> The, the FBI will get one box and the DEA will get another box and the, there you go. There you go. Um, all right, so uh, let me do. We're gonna we're gonna do the game. I still have not officially named it, but it's like the line game where I'm gonna come up with two random topics and Matt's gonna have to give us the line. Now, last time there was some confusion, so let's I just think be clear. Yeah. That's okay. What? So the reminder. So if it's like. You know, Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. It's like your answer would be like Tom Brady minus four. Okay, gotcha. Or whatever that whatever it is, you can go Peyton Manning if you want to be sure. if I'm be wrong. Um, all right. I'm more of a Peyton guy, but yeah. Ugh, good lord. All right, so let's start with this. 
So now that the defensive line is is back, you got the two ends and the two tackles. And by the end of the year, what will the line be? Deron Payne and John Allen versus Montez Sweat and Chase Young by the end of the year. What's that line? So I would say right now it's about a minus six, minus uh, seven. But for the defensive for, tackles. For the defensive tackles. In terms of, this is just oh, their overall skill, the, the talent of players. Yeah. I think there's a scenario where you could say Sweat and Young combine for more sacks. But even after all that, I would still put, at the end of the year, Allen and Payne at, what's the Vegas zone, four and a half to quote Bill Simmons? I, I think somewhere in, in there is kind of the, the final answer. I think Sweat in particular is poised to cash out in a contract year. He's setting himself up for some big time money, but you know Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne have already been paid, and the fact that... Washington decided to pay both those players and not let Payne walk, I think, is an indication of how important they view both those guys for their defensive scheme. And, uh, yeah, uh, I just I, – I think Jonathan Allen – of the four, uh, I'm interested. Who do you think is the best of the four? I don't even know who's the best of the two tackles, let alone Montez Sweatman. I can't put Chase in there right. just yet. I, I, I don't know, honestly. I mean, there are times where Jerron Payne is like, oh, my God, like – his so he's so strong and he's so aggressive. But John Allen is this game in game out. Yeah, uh, you know he's been wildly impressive. But I think Montez Sweat. I mean, I thought before this year started, um, I, I did a uh, in one of my stories I did like who are the five most indispensable players, and I said him. He was number one at that point. We still weren't sure when Chase Young would be back, and it was just like they don't have a lot behind him per se. Um, but it's that's how good I think he is in terms of the question that I asked. I also in my head had four and a half by the end of the year. Um, Chase Young stays healthy. You know, whatever we're, we're not saying it's based on sack totals, but if he stays healthy as the fourth guy, yeah. I mean, that's going to be pretty dynamic. But yeah, I think game in game out, Allen and Payne are the more likely uh, guys to, uh, to be good. Um, all right. This one is very specific to Matt. Okay. What's the point spread? You already mentioned him between your enjoyment listening to the Bill Simmons podcast and your enjoyment watching Top Chef. Oh, wow, that is a perfect question designed for me. Uh, for what it's worth, I enjoy both of these programs. They're very different, obviously. Top Chef is good to like turn your mind off of the world that we yeah. live in all the time, but uh, Bill Simmons is an entertaining thing as well. I would go Top Chef. Minus two and a half, maybe. Top Chef for me is a. I don't plan my week around it per se, but I do this thing where I. I it's called Top Chef Thursdays. I, I cook a meal generally if I'm not too busy uh, for my girlfriend and I. Uh, I kind of plan out what I want to make earlier in the week. I go to the store to get it. And so it's much more of an event. Uh, for me so and it's just very relaxing at the end of the week so I, I would go that for Top Chef but I think Bill Simmons has been probably a fixture of kind of my sports listening and what I enjoy about sports it, it's funny like as much as I like Simmons I don't try and write like Kim I don't like really try to emulate but like what the ringer does I mean yeah I, I think I try and you know 
produce that style of work here and there. But um, Simmons for me is more of an entertainment, pure pleasure sort of. He's more of a daily part of my life, whereas Top Chef is more of like a, an event status. So I would go uh, Top Chef. If, slightly there. If I had said the rewatchables and it's all relative to the movie, right. I might have picked that over Top Chef. Um, the Bill Simmons podcast, really good, but it's, sometimes it's guest related. I don't really need to hear him on certain topics right. or certain guests. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll go Bill Simmons minus one, one and a half. Yeah. But. Because for me, like, I'm not a cook like you. I'm a DoorDash guy, so I'm not getting any tips. I'm just literally watching it. Uh, no Padma this year, so there, there's a loss that's, there. That's that, that is a loss. Um, all right, last uh, last one for you. Um, all right, let's just do this. Get ready. The coordinators, Eric Bieniemy versus Jack Del Rio. Um. Ah, jeez. I would say... Because obviously Biennemi gets yeah. all the attention. But, I mean, the defense, if you're giving the coordinator credit, they, they've been one of the better units for, you know, easily the best side of the ball here since Rivera got here. Let me give a... Yeah, speaking of... Uh, you don't listen to the big picture, right? On the, uh, no. Very rarely. They do these drafts, and between picks, they, like, vamp before they do... So I'm going to vamp here a bit before I get the line. I think it's interesting. I wrote about this today. I wrote about the standards that the defense has and how they kind of all push each other to be better, yada, yada, yada. But for months we've been talking about, look at what Eric Bieniemy's been like bringing to the offense. Look at what he's demanding in terms of excellence, attention to detail, so on and so forth. I think for the past four years, Jack Del Rio has actually kind of – like brought his own ex- uh, expectations, brought his own level of demanding of excellence and pushing those guys to be a lot better, especially after that 21 season where they really hadn't done shit. That was a like tumultuous offseason for them with all of actually Del Rio's, you know, Jan 6 comments and everything. But I think he's pushed that defense to be better and better, and he's gotten a lot out of them. So that being said, Said, no, I'm gonna stick with Del Rio. I, I think, I think I'd go Del Rio minus one. I've been a little bit more impressed with the creativity of Eric Bieniemy, and I think he's a great coordinator. But I, I also think that's part of the newness and the funness. But I think Del Rio deserves a lot of credit for this defense being as good as it is. Yeah, I, I mean, I think my basic take all summer has been, you know, look, as we recall a year ago. Del Rio is under fire because of comments he made involving January 6th and all that. And people wanted him out and blah, 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 blah. Plus, they were coming off a down year in 2021. And then they start slow last year. But obviously, they rebounded very strongly. Part of the reason why they were even in the position to possibly make the playoffs last year was how well the defense played. Um, and, yeah, I mean, even to this minute, it feels like we, – we, I get it. Eric Bieniemy is a much more interesting – national story and we're wondering where it's going to go the chiefs and all that but i'm with you i think i'd go del rio minus two mm. easily will this one we're asking for the moment if you ask me by the end of the year i don't even know what i would say yeah. but very possible 
things could change, especially if Sam Howe continues to progress and the enemy gets credit for that. Yeah, I mean, and I think a lot, another way to phrase this question is, like, who's more likely to get, well, a different way to phrase this question, not the same way, but is who's more likely to get poached away at the end of the year? That I would choose the enemy just because he hasn't had an opportunity before and Del Rio has, but, I mean, Del Rio, based on Manor, I think, would deserve another head coaching job down the line if, if this defense can be a top five unit right now they rank 10th in dvoa but if they can get to a top five unit again by the end of the year i mean shoot i i don't know i don't know either um tremendous performance as always i was going to ask you randomly for no particular reason ben's chili bowls or beignets but we'll do that some other we'll do that some other time um you know matt and i always talk about food all right um you said it all. Go follow Matt on Twitter at Matthew underscore Paris, P-A-R-A-S. He told you he's got a, a story out tomorrow about the defensive line and the, st- or and the standard for this defense. Um, I'll see you tomorrow, and I will see you Sunday out at uh, FedEx Field. Anything if the people see you? Anything you want them to you know, greet you with while if they see you out there? Yeah, if you uh, listen to this and you listen to Ben's, mentioned that you uh, listen to the Ben uh, the standing room only because last time I saw someone, they're like, "Oh, hey, you're on the Kime Report, so ah. you need to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, the the love needs to be spread around. Make sure you let me know that you've listened to Ben's podcast as well." There, there you go, fantastic, Matt. I appreciate it, man. All right, uh, great stuff there with Matt. Uh, I mentioned at the top that I was going to play a little bit of Ron Rivera's uh, press conference from Wednesday, and these two clips are not about X's and O's or Sam Howe. It's about where this team is in terms of the opportunity to make a big step this week against Buffalo and just how different the tone feels right now for the obvious reason, the ownership part, but then also you know, good success so far to the point that the long snapper Cameron Cheeseman has been more of the topic this week than seemingly should be relative to the position, but more not just even that, because it's notable, it's more to what the weight of the topics have been around here in some time. So here, I wanted to play two clips. First off, you'll hear my colleague at The Athletic, David Aldridge, talking to Ron about this opportunity, and then you'll hear me asking Ron about um, if if talking a lot about the long snap right now is a sign of how things have changed, and if you kind of know what I mean. So here's that, and then I'll comment on the other end.
So there you go. Um, you know, like I said, I think, and and for the what it's worth, I think David is going to have a story up on Friday about that topic that he asked about. But yeah, and, and Matt and I touched on this. You know, this is a, a really interesting chance. I think most people around the league are still like, all right, we'll see about Washington. And I don't blame them. I mean, it's not. It's it's still too early. They won a pair of one-score games after trailing uh, one game in the fourth quarter and one game big in the first half. So there's a long way to go, but this is an opportunity to really have people around the league, you know, take a long, hard look at where Washington is at. And, um, you know, again, as I said to Ron, I'm not discounting the, the long snapper or Cheeseman himself. It is just a very different topic. It would not have been a big deal, relatively speaking, to all the things we've been talking about the last couple of years on and off the field. And I think that is a nice thing. For what it's worth, I, I forgot to mention this earlier, but I did talk to Cheeseman after uh, Wednesday's practice. And, you know, just sort of had a brief chat, just talked about kind of where he's at with his snapping as well as me- mentally knowing that the team had just brought in five uh, long snappers all over uh, on Tuesday. On the snapping part, you know, Tress Way told us back during training camp that she's been was dealing was working on a new grip because we started to see some of this what's now led to his concern for the commanders back then uh, i asked Cheeseman about that he said no it's not so much a new grip just sort of trying to constantly you know hone his craft and working on you know to be more effective it's obviously not been ideal uh but as you heard ron say it's sort of just like one-offs. It's not like everyone is falling into a negative pattern. So hopefully it's a good sign. He also said in terms of that they worked people out, he's like, you know, look, I, I'm i aware of the situation. I, I, I expect more of myself. But at the same time, you know, I just got to focus on, on me. And, you know, the sort of the basic stuff. He didn't seem like he was down, at least in talking uh, to me. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, it's a big. I mean, it is certainly a big part of the game. You know that that position, you basically have to be perfect. Uh, even though Tress Way is helping out a lot on these ground balls, but you basically have to be perfect. And if we notice Cheeseman on Sunday, other than just like we'll all be paying a bit more attention, if we really notice him, that is a problem. But hopefully, he can get it squared away. Not only was, of course, he drafted, which is rare for a long snapper, they traded up for him to do so. It's not necessarily critical to the moment, but it is a little bit different than just simply saying, hey, you know, the long snapper struggling. This is somebody that they really targeted, and he's been really good so far, but the la- but, but so far to start this season, it's been some wobbles for sure. All right, uh, that is it for me. I'm going to go check out the Thursday night football game. Uh, by the way, a quick shout-out to my guy Dalton Ross of Entertainment Weekly. He and I recorded an interview that, sadly, will never be heard um, for some other technical issues. It's been a technical issue issue uh, of late. So, bummer there. It was a great one. Maybe you'll see if I can get Dalton back on before next week's Survivor premiere. We He's a big Cheeseman guy. We talked about him as well. Uh, and the Survivor premiere, I believe, is next Wednesday, and of course Dalton is the preeminent uh, survivor insider around. 
Uh, but anyway, we'll hopefully have a chance to talk, if not next week, in the near future. He's a Commanders fan, of course, as well. All right, that is it for now. Thanks to Matt Paris. Uh, thanks to Ron Rivera for some good quotes. Thanks to everyone for listening. As always, subscribing to The Athletic, subscribing to the podcast. Um, but until next time, see ya.